Hello, and welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor, and I'm happy to have your company again today. Thank you for joining me as we begin to prepare ourselves for the season of Advent. Among the surprising images of God that the Bible reveals to us is one that we often read about during the season of Advent, the season we will enter this coming Sunday. It is the difficult image of God the thief, which we find in the Gospel of Matthew. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Most of us, I suspect, find this image of God as a thief that Jesus presents as a little unsettling. God as a good shepherd we can handle, but God as a thief? We hate thieves. When I was a girl, our house was robbed three times. My mother was more upset about the fact that the robbers had not taken her vacuum cleaner because she desperately wanted a new one, and this would have given her an excuse to purchase a better one. All kidding aside, it was a horrible feeling. If you have ever had your house broken into, you know the sense of violation. The safe, secure sanctuary you call home never feels quite so safe anymore. An intruder has had the gall to finger your most intimate possessions. I ask you, is that what God is like, a thief in the night? Well, that's what we are told in Matthew and in other parts of the New Testament. In Second Peter and also in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, we are told, The day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. Twice in the book of Revelation, it is also written, I will come like a thief. So somehow we have to come to terms with this rather uncomfortable image. We have to make sense of this picture of God as thief. First of all, as I discussed in the worship service Sunday, we need to remember that the biblical authors were not writing about some far distant time, but about their own day. Thus, the warning they issued was primarily directed to the situation of dire emergency in the first century, after Jesus' death and resurrection, and before the war between Rome and Judea took place, and hence also before Jesus' words about the temple came true. That said, there is a sense in which these words ring true in our day too, for we also live in turbulent and dangerous times. The growing number of refugees has reached catastrophic proportions in our world. Devastating mudslides in British Columbia and torrential rains in the Maritimes are all part of the landscape of our daily news. Are we ready for the next climate disaster that could strike at any moment? Are we prepared for another wave of the pandemic or new global diseases that may overtake our planet? These are not rhetorical questions. Nor are they unrelated. 
For example, a recent paper published in January 2021 in the journal Science of the Total Environment has presented evidence that the COVID-19 virus emerged from bat populations. Additionally, the paper stresses that climate change directly influenced environmental changes that allowed bat species to flourish where they otherwise would not have, resulting in the infiltration of dozens more species in China and surrounding areas. Had we been ready, had we paid more attention to the matters of climate injustice, perhaps our world would not have suffered from the scourge of the pandemic. There is an urgency in these scriptures that we ignore at the world's peril. There is an urgency in these scriptures that we ignore at our own individual peril as well. This urgency is expressed through the metaphor which describes God as a thief who comes in the night. The point, my friends, is not that God is going to go about snatching some people out of their beds and leaving others to waste away on earth. The point of the metaphor, God who comes like a thief in the night, is that time is precious and we need to make good use of the time God has given us. Like the question Rabbi Address asked us at our special event a week ago, what will you do with the time you have left when you have no control over the time you have left? And what really and truly matters to you? There are three ways we might understand this metaphor of God the thief, and I do stress that it is a metaphor. First, like any thief worth his or her salt, God will circumvent our elaborate security systems. God will break our false illusions. And one of these illusions is that we and our possessions, like our house and our money and our clothes and our car, will last forever. Another illusion we share is that if we have enough socked away, we will be immune to disaster until the stock market fails or our health wanes or our youthful good looks fade or until a pandemic like COVID disrupts our world. It is then that we discover that our materialistic lifeline is straw, and the only sure security is the love of God who comes to meet us in the beauty of creation and family and friends. Secondly, like all thieves, God comes unannounced. Thieves don't announce their presence or send out advance warning. They come unexpectedly, and so does God. So does life. The writer Ann Wells recalls an episode from her life. She says, my brother-in-law opened the bottom drawer of my sister's bureau and lifted out a tissue-wrapped package. This, he said, is not a slip. This is lingerie. He discarded the tissue and handed me the slip. It was exquisite. Silk, handmade and trimmed with a cobweb of lace. The price tag, with an astronomical figure on it, was still attached. Jan bought this the first time we went to New York, at least eight or nine years ago. She never wore it. She was saving it for a special occasion. 
Well, I guess this is the occasion. He took the slip from me and put it on the bed with the other clothes we were taking to the funeral home. His hands lingered on the soft material for a moment. Then he slammed the drawer shut and turned to me and said, Don't ever save anything for a special occasion. Every day you're alive is a special occasion. This puts me in mind of Irma Bombeck's writing, If I Had My Life to Live Over. It was written on the day she discovered that she was dying from cancer. She writes, If I had my life to live over, I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending the earth would go into a holding pattern if I weren't there for the day. I would have burned the pink candle sculpted like a rose before it melted in storage. I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained or the sofa faded. I would have eaten the popcorn in the good living room and worried much less about the dirt when someone wanted to light a fire in the fireplace. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather ramble on about his youth. I would have shared more of the responsibility carried by my husband. I would never have insisted the car windows be rolled up on a summer day because my hair had just been teased and sprayed. I would have sat on the lawn with my grass stains. I would have cried and laughed less while watching television and more while watching life. I would never have bought anything just because it was practical, wouldn't show soil, or was guaranteed to last a lifetime. Instead of wishing away nine months of pregnancy, I'd have cherished every moment and realized that the wonderment growing inside me was the only chance in life to assist God in a miracle. When my kids kissed me impetuously, I would never have said later, now go get washed up for dinner. There would have been more I love yous, more I'm sorry's. But mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every minute, look at it, and really live it. <clears throat> Those are good words, friends. They are good words for us to remember in this season called Advent. We need to seize life now and embrace it. Embrace it fully, for none of us knows the day or the hour. You know, someone once said that the most dangerous day of our lives comes when we learn the word tomorrow. For on that day, we begin to put things off. On that day, we begin to procrastinate. On that day, we begin to act as if we have plenty of time to do whatever we wish. William Barclay, the famous Scottish theologian, tells the story of three devils who were preparing to depart for earth for their apprenticeship of deceiving people. Before departing, they each had an interview with Satan, the chief of devils. Satan asked the first devil, And how do you plan to deceive people and destroy them? The first devil replied, I plan to convince them that there is no God. Satan shook his head. That won't work, he said. We've tried that. And what about you? Satan said to the second devil. How do you plan to deceive people? The second devil said, 
I plan to convince people that there is no hell. Nah, that won't work either, replied Satan. We tried that one as well. <laughs> the third devil responded, My approach is going to be less intellectual. I simply plan to convince people that they have plenty of time to prepare for Christ's coming, and therefore there's no hurry. Satan smiled and said to the third devil, Do that, my son, and you will deceive many. The point is that there are certain things in life that are so important that we should never put them off until tomorrow. Thirdly, as much as we may dislike the image of God as thief, we must admit that God is out to steal. God is out to steal our hearts, to offer us real joy and lasting happiness. Not comfort or a life free from hurt and pain, but joy and inner peace that no one can take from us. But mark my word, mark the word of Paul and Peter and Sean and Matthew, God is out to steal your heart and your life. So beware, my friends, God is a thief who will use any means to steal your heart away. Perhaps you are familiar with the legend about the woman from Sidon who set out to steal the heart of her husband. That's right, she wanted to steal her husband's heart. You see, this woman had lived with her husband for 10 years and loved him very, very much. But they did not have any children. Following the law that in those days governed such matters, they went to the rabbi to arrange for a divorce. The rabbi said to them, By your life, just as you had a festive banquet when you got married, so you should not separate now without first having another festive banquet. They followed the rabbi's advice and prepared a great feast. During the banquet, the woman gave her husband more to drink than usual. When he was in high spirits, he said to his wife, My dear wife, you may take with you out of my house whatever you like best, and then return to the house of your father. So what did she do? After he had fallen sound asleep, she ordered her men servants and her maidservants to take him and the bed upon which he was sleeping to her father's house. About midnight, the man awoke. When his intoxication had worn off, he looked around in, in astonishment. Dear wife, he said, where am I? You are, she replied, in my father's house. But what business do I have in your father's house? She replied, don't you remember you telling me last night that I may take with me whatever I like best when I return to my father's house? Nothing in the whole world do I like better than you. Well, those beautiful words of love stole her husband's heart and he terminated the divorce proceedings. And the two found great happiness and lived together for the rest of their lives. Well, friends, that legend is a paradigm of what God wants to do with us in this season called Advent. God, the thief, comes to steal our hearts that we might find true happiness and peace in our Father's house. And Jesus proclaimed, I have come that my joy may be in you and so that your joy 
may be complete. Will we let God steal our hearts this Advent? That's it for today, friends. Please note that I will be away on study leave from Monday, November 29th until Tuesday, December 7th. Reverend Ann Corbett will be bringing you the message next Friday, but please note there will be no podcast, so I invite you to look back over previous podcasts uh, that I've made and uh, uh, share those. Please be sure and contact Reverend Anne if you have any pastoral care, concerns, or questions. Until then, stay well and safe. Happy Advent.